I'm Adam Penmelberry. I'm Barry Worthington. I'm Charlie Keegan. I'm Paul Thorpe. And I'm Pete Reese. This is the Progress with Unity podcast. Sean Maloney's first game, quite happy with that. Our first clean sheet since we played Blackburn, and it was against Blackburn. To a large extent, you've got to be pleased with various aspects of the play, haven't you? I think the the thing that stood out for me was the was the level of energy that we played with. We didn't look like a team that had been suffering down at the bottom for such a long period of time. And I think the other thing that stood out for me was our desire and willingness to get on the ball and play the ball forward. Yeah, I think Pete's nailed it. Desire, energy, focus. It's all come back, hasn't it? I'm glad we came away with something because the whole week building up to it was we were talking about positivity and everybody on the field and off the field, the support going two and a half thousand. So I'm glad that we ended up coming away with something. But that's two draws now in the last three games and gave Blackburn their only draw at home. So I think that it is a seriously impressive result despite not scoring. So I was really happy with it. I thought a lot of our players played the hearts out. Some of them played the best game in a long time. So mm. I don't think you, can, you can't argue with the draw. The one thing I noticed in this game, and I think it could be big for us going into the, the running, is Callum Lang. And I think he looks the sort of player who's going to thrive under Maloney. He was really good. He frightened them to death. That confidence that Maloney is instilling in him, obviously as well, he can he can almost mentor him as well because of the type of player that, that he was. That, for me, is a good start. Very difficult this week to have picked a man of the match, wasn't it? Which is a good thing for the right reasons. I think we had one the other week where we couldn't pick one because they were all that bad. <laughs> <laughs> the stats from the game, we had 44% possession. Attempts, we had 11 to Blackburn's 9. Only one on target. Blackburn had three on target. Corners, seven apiece. We committed 13 fouls to Blackburn's 10. Three yellow cards that Blackburn picked up. And James McLean, surprisingly, picked one up for the Latics. I was laughing at the time when he picked that yellow card up. But I think we've got to mention uh, congratulations. Mia Rose was born late morning, early afternoon. Early evening, he's at Blackburn, ready to play in a game. What a man. Not quite Colclough running off the pitch. <laughs> but yeah. but fair, fair, play, fair play to him anyway. The attendance, 14,540. 2,766 travelled over from, from Wigan. I was watching it on, on telly and um, you could really hear the level of support from, from the Latics fans. They really got behind the team. And I thought what was even more encouraging was the way that they were clearly uh, getting behind Sean Maloney. The, you know, you heard his, uh, his song being belted out any number of times during that match. And that must have come as a, uh, to give him a big, big personal boost. And I think for the players generally, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they must have felt that increased energy from the stand. Before the game, we was all contemplating what formation would be picked. And lo and behold, I think we can all agree it was a Bob Martinez formation. 3-4-2-1 with the back three of Rekic, Watmore and Kelly. I've just got a shout out here to Jack Watmore, who I'm not sure we've been critical of him, but we've been scratching our heads as to his level of performance compared to how we know he can play. I thought he was really good on Monday, Monday night. Undoubtedly helped by Martin Kelly, who was absolute class. 
And Omar Rekic as well. I thought Omar Rekic looked really good. I, I thought all three of them were absolutely fantastic. If you've got three at the back, you want any one of them to be able to carry the ball into midfield and just gauge the way it looks because it disrupts the play because you're having a fluid formation if somebody comes into the middle. I mean, that for me is a spot on tactic. Picking up Charlie's point from before about the number of players who had the best game in ages, and I think Jack Watmore very much fell into that category. For the last part of this season, he's not been the Jack Watmore that we knew from last season season or even from the beginning of this season he's uh, he really stepped up to the plate and yeah to, to be fair I think he, he owed us a good game and I think one or two of the other players did as well I mean Dariqua was I think for me the showed the biggest difference again he played with such energy and commitment and I, I thought he was uh a player that deserved his place in the team. I'm very pleased with some of those individual performances. I don't think he would have been in the team next week, but for Diaz, because that that was an awful mistake, wasn't it? After four minutes, terrible error. But I have to agree, he, he recovered and had his, I'd say, definitely his best game of the season, best game for some time. I think he plays well with TA here as well. When he was trying to carry the ball forward and Dariqua, with that back three, was allowed to run up and take the wing. And the link up between Dariqua and Tia, he was was quite good. For me, Martin Kelly obviously got player of the match, but if Rakik would have stayed on, for me, Rakik would have been player of the match because I thought it was brilliant. And him playing on the left centre-back position and taking the ball forward and, and commanding his space really well, that allowed James McLean to play further up the field. So he was more attacking because I think he's a bit wasted it, sort of the left-back, left-wing-back, but... He looked really good going forward. Jack Watmore again, so much confidence now that he was playing with and that comes from having Martin Kelly next to you because I think he made six clearances but whenever the ball would come off Ben Amos or would go around the box he wasn't messing about and he always seemed to have a pass lined up so I really like that about Kelly. Chris Tyhe, he was absolutely sensational. I mean, we've got a play. If I, if I was Talal, I'd be on the phone now saying, "Listen, we, we want him." Even if we get relegated in summer, you know, we've agreed a fee of eight hundred thousand. He's going to be worth more than that in summer if he carries on like he is. Was he been? Why has he not been picked up? Absolute class, yeah. class player. Whatever Sorry, it is, pay it. The question there is who identified him. Torre for me. I think I think Torre has got three of the signings. Uh, I know we've only seen a little bit of a seize, but he looks decent. The Arsenal link with the um, the two Arsenal boys, and then obviously Christ as well, who for me reminded me of um, not necessarily expecting that much from a player like a Diarmi. Not different different age groups, but that sort of player who maybe didn't have huge expectations, but looks like he's a real quality player because he's got he looks like he's got everything to his game uh, what a centre midfielder needs and that's going to help Max Power as well because Max Power again had a very good game but I think he had a better game than, than he's had in the last few weeks so I'm very very pleased with the way we set up and the way that the players very quickly adapted to a tweak in the or probably more than a tweak in the style that we've been playing in previous weeks the goal disallowed. Martin Kelly back post, rightfully disallowed. I mean, well, yeah, he did catch the keeper in the face, Lang, because it was disallowed because Lang he didn't punch him, but he, he, his arm was across his face. But two seconds prior, the defender's got his arm around Lang's neck, trying to pull his head off. Why is it not a penalty? I agree. I think that's, but it, so much gets let go in the penalty area, doesn't it? And and you could you can't argue wrongly. I feel that. What Lang did, I think. I think he actually he more or less ran at the keeper, didn't he? he? Took a couple of steps with his forearm up and went into the keeper. I think it was a deliberate attempt to 
to take the keeper out. I don't think there's any question about that. But he was fouled first. The referee should have blown for a penalty before that. But I think the goal itself should have been, uh, from Kelly, should have been disallowed for one of those reasons or the other. Just as a question, what what do you think was the, the decision or the poorer decision to disallow the goal or to not give Blackburn the penalty? Disallow the goal, Adam, because I was just going to say, come to that. I, I, didn't, I know a lot of people said it is a penalty. I didn't think it was. The player dove two arms in the air, put his legs into Jack Watmore's shoulder and threw himself to the ground. I think he knew what was going down and he melted the situation. He knew that if he could just run into Jack Watmore and make it so that it looks like a penalty, then the ref could give that. But I think the ref was quite smart in understanding that Watmore was actually going down anyway and it was milked. So I think that the bigger decision probably was not given the goal but then maybe that adds to the argument of is VAR good in the championship and would that have led to it becoming a, a penalty because we don't have VAR then you know the ref just sees Lang's run into the keeper he's gone down oh we'll give a free kick because the keeper's clearly been impeded VAR would struggle with those because I think even on here we're looking at it and we're not between us you know, we're in the cold light today, we're not sure. And mm. and you've got to then defer to the referee, haven't you? If you know, unless it's an absolute howler. I don't think those decisions will get overturned, but it doesn't mean that the decisions were correct. Yeah, I've got my Wigan Athletic shaded glasses on. Never a penalty and definitely a goal. That's my verdict. <laughs> Ben Amos, we mentioned him, pulled off one or two good saves, one or two great saves. I mean, there's one where the ball went through and it just bobbled in front of him and he managed to get his shoulder on it. But in the fourth minute, Brereton Diaz is away. I mean, how many goals have they scored like that this season? Coming in from the left, cutting in. Every goal they scored probably like that. But Amos read it really well, got down, and I thought he, it was a crucial save. That was a go goal down there after four minutes, then Ed's go. But what a save that was. Amos had a really, really good game. That's his fourth clean sheet of the season as well. And I think he does get a lot of stick. He has made a lot of mistakes, but there is games where he does really well and he puts himself in a good position. I still think that he looks a little bit uncertain if he's trying to come out for a ball or like when Brereton Diaz was running at him, he's a bit, do I go to him? Do I stay? So it's a little bit of indecisive, but he, he did have a really good game and there's a lot of big saves. He had that one later on from Sorba Thomas as well, who took a shot from the right of the box parried that out for a corner. So, no, I think that he had a good game and I probably would put him in my lineup again if I was going to choose for Huddersfield. Another player making his debut on Monday was Daniel Sinani. I thought he looked good in patches and not so good in others. I think his shooting was was off by a long way, but his, his, his corner second was superb. There was a couple of occasions where he was running with the ball. He looked really good, really dangerous. Uh, but I couldn't weigh up what position he was playing. Did he have a free role? Yeah, I think he was sort of a, a rover. No, I think, a, I think he was just a rover, sort of like Callum Lang was, but he was playing more left, attacking mid, trying to cut in. And I think that they were both sort of like overlapping behind Keane. So I don't think he was really tied to any position, but he just needs to tidy up his play a little bit. I don't know how much he's played this season. I know he's been in Norwich's side here or there, but a couple of passes. I think James McLean was clear on the left at one point on the penalty area and he just overhit the pass. So once he cleans it up a little bit, I think he'll be good. He might, he might get player of the season like you predicted in the last <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I, I think the one thing that, that didn't work for me in the match, and it's perhaps borne out a little bit by the statistics, it was that Will Keane's position. I don't think it works. We've seen that a couple of times before this season where he's playing on his own up front as, as a kind of the spearhead of the attack. I just don't think he's suited to that role at all. In a way, I'm surprised because he's, he kind of grew up as a striker and, and so on. But he's clearly a lot better as a deeper lying number 10. And I think the three of them then up front 
probably not helped by Sinani being new to the team and so on, but they didn't seem to combine that well. I don't think we created that much really. And that's still looks like it's going to be an ongoing problem. We didn't, but apart from Sinani, we didn't strengthen that much up front in the transfer window. In fact, you could argue that we, we've actually been weakened by the loss of Nathan Broadhead. I think there's still going to be concern about that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Will Keane doesn't take that role again on Saturday. Will Keane for me, one for the older listeners, a little bit Martin Peters-esque in the way that he plays, sort of ghosting into into the box like Peters used to do. Charlie White was back there, he came on. Obviously not 100% match fit, but it's good to see him back. Man of the match from the game at Evil Park against Blackburn Rovers. With 49% of the votes, it was Martin Kelly. So massive congratulations to Martin Kelly. It was spread out between Kelly, Christ, Tehe in second place on 30%, and the others uh, were Lang, Amos and Power. So yeah, good spread there, I'd agree with, with those. A big game on Saturday, but before we get to the big game on Saturday... Huddersfield, who we play, played on Tuesday evening at Blackpool. Actually watched it for my sins. It was like watching Sunday League football. Shocking sides. Blackpool looked, I know they came back twice with 10 men as well, but they looked looked awful. And I didn't think Huddersfield looked, they didn't look any better. Gary Medine got sent off for Blackpool. And then the centre-half, who they just picked up from Brentford, he goes off with an hamstring as well. And by the end of the game, they they were dead on the feet. Blackpool plays, and they've got a tough game on Saturday. They're playing Rotherham. And Huddersfield have got a tough game on Saturday because they're at the DW Stadium. And that's mm. what we're going to turn our attention to right now. Earlier today, Matt Shaw from the He Takes That Chance Huddersfield podcast has sent us in his thoughts on Saturday. Hi, Barry. It's Matt from the Andy Takes That Chance Huddersfield Town podcast here. Uh, I wish I was coming to you in better times, but it's a bit rubbish really, isn't it? I've got people on our podcast choosing to stay at home and watch Happy Valley with their other halves than rather than talk about the absolute guff that this bagpipe of a manager of ours is coming up with at the minute. Why the bagpipe? Well, because he's full of hot air and wind and makes everybody cringe when he makes a noise. You've asked me if it's draining being in the bottom three and not half of is it draining. It's even worse when it's down to self-sabotage, like in our case, and the fans are fed up, the players are fed up, the club's rudderless and up for sale, and it feels like no one really cares apart from a couple of thousand fans, and even then half of them are walking away in apathy. This past month has been an utterly depressing ride, if I'm honest. It's a far cry from May when we were two farcical decisions away from the Premier League, and it feels like a lifetime ago. You asked me if there's any light. I can only see that if they replace Fotheringham with somebody who could help us escape the drop, but with no board members wanting to put any money into the club, it seems that we might be stuck with him. Is he the man to get us out? No. I think we'd have seen that by now. Two wins at the end of the year, one very, very fortunate, has papered over the cracks of seven or eight other feckless performances that see us averaging about a point a game at the minute, and it's it's just not enough. One of your old favourites, Martin Waggon, has come in. He's got one goal, but... To be honest, looks incredibly mobile and not really up to this level currently. There are probably some cobwebs, cobwebs to shake off and match fitness to gain. And but you know, he, he feels symptomatic of our issues. Really, we needed a, a good forward in the January window, and instead we got two mediocre ones. It's uh, a death by a thousand cuts, really, at the minute. Is is anyone really performing well at the moment for us? Well, not really. No players are on a consistent run of form. The centre backs in. Lees and Helic were, but they've uh, they've dropped off and Helic himself has got injured, uh, which is a big disappointment. Uh, Jack Radoni has improved since the World Cup break, but we're still yet to really see any consistency in his attacking play. But 
if it clicks for him, then he could be a, a big player for us from now till the end of the season. In terms of a prediction, uh, I think we'll lose this game and the board will no longer be able to slumber through this period and have to act and remove the bagpipe from the orchestra. Sorry, it's a bit miserable, but it's not the best time to be able to just feel fun at the minute. But all the best and uh, I'll catch you next time. He's not a big fan of Mark Fotheringham, is he? Oh, at all. There's not much on. to say about him. I've got to stop you though, Charlie, because it's Matt. Hang on, let's listen to what Matt says. Hi Barry, Matt again from the Huddersfield Town podcast. Andy takes that chance and a little bit of a better mood now. The uh, the clouds above are, are dispersing and the bagpipe has gone. Fantastic. What this means for the turnaround for Saturday, I'm not too sure. The coaches that were there all along will take charge. I think we'll probably see a little bit more clarity in what we do. Uh, maybe a little bit more measured in what we do. I might change my prediction for a draw now. I won't go all out and start claiming victory because the problems are still remaining and that's a lot of these players just aren't really playing for uh, to the, or playing to the levels they were last season um, and that's under Fotheringham and Danny Schofield. So there's still a long way to go for us but I think removing Matt Fotheringham now gives us a little bit of hope to cling on to but how that affects the squad going into this weekend, I'm not entirely convinced that it will have a massive effect, but we may see a little bit more clarity in what we do with the coach Narcis Palak taking over, who was number two to Carlos Corbran last season. So we'll see. I'd be happy with a point, I think, at this stage, but the clouds are starting to clear and, and maybe Huddersfield Town will start looking up. But the next appointment's massive. Get it wrong and it relegates us. Get it right and hopefully we can claw to safety. It doesn't change what I'd said previously about how everything has been, but going forward, who knows? What a shock. Mark Fallerim sacked in that time we've been doing the podcast. It doesn't come as much surprise, to be honest, that he's been sacked. They've got the worst amount of away points in the league. I think they've only got 10. And... They've only kept one clean sheet away from home this season, which surprisingly is actually the same as Middlesbrough, um, which was a shock because they're up in third as well. But no, I think Huddersfield Town this season really been on, on the decline. It's quite a harsh reality from being relegated from the Premier League to then now verging going down to the third tier of football. They haven't been impressive at all this season. I think they're relying on Jordan Rhodes and Danny Ward as their lead strikers. One's 33, one's 32. They're both championship veterans and they've played like over 300 games each, I think, in the, at this level. But it's really, really been poor for Huddersfield. But I think that the, the point that they got against Blackpool, yes, it was Mick McCarthy's birthday, but we got the present because to get to get a draw is ideal for Wigan because now it closes the gap to, to two points from Huddersfield Town. So it's up to us now to go and to go and beat them. Over the last six, they've won one, drawn three, lost two, scored seven and conceded eight and only kept one clean sheet. So they come to the DW as the worst away form in the league, but also Wigan Athletic have the worst home form in the league. So it's going to be quite an interesting game, but we have the Maloney positivity and they're being managed by Narcisse Pellack, apparently is the assistant manager's name, who's going to take over for that game. He was there last season when Corbran was there and they had a good season last season. So he might change things around a little bit. No, they're going to lose. Well, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. And before the game, we're all gathering down there. There's going to be somewhere between 500 and 1,000 spectators welcoming the place at the uh, entrance to the place car park. So get down there for one o'clock at the latest, at the latest on Saturday. Let's give them a big cheer as they arrive. Right then, let's have a ref watch for the visit to Huddersfield on Saturday. The referee will be Gavin Ward from Surrey. He's 52 years old and he's been a football league referee since 2007-8 season. 
He was appointed to the Select Group 2 list of referees ahead of the 2018-19 season, following more than 10 years serving his apprenticeship as an EFL ref. He's previously refereed the Latics 10 times. The last time was our two-home win over Sunderland during the administration period. His card watch so far this season, Gavin Ward has taken charge of 27 games, of which 21 have been in the Championship. During those games, he's issued 94 yellows, two reds, and he's awarded six penalties. And that's Gavin Ward, who will be your referee for the visit of Huddersfield to the DW Stadium on Saturday. Shall we have some previous? Wigan Athletic versus Huddersfield Town. 33 times we've met over the years. Won 11, drawn 8. And 14 defeats. The first meeting was an FA Cup tie in 73, where we lost away 2-0. In the league, it was our first season, 78-79. A 1-1 draw at the old Leeds Road was followed by a 2-1 home win in February 1979. We met earlier this season and recorded a 2-1 away win. We are undefeated in our last three games against Huddersfield, Two wins and a draw. I, t- I struggled to pick out uh, a great memory from uh, Wigan Huddersfield uh, at, at home. So I just thought I'd mention the draw was one of those games, if you recall, in the Paul Cook era, when we kept conceding equalisers, usually quite late equalisers. So that was another game in which we took the lead and conceded a relatively late uh, equaliser. I think our form, in my view, in recent times, has been better away against Huddersfield. But well, let's hope that that changes on Saturday. But back to Barry for uh, predictions and selections. Predictions and selections. Well, Matt has changed his mind. He went for a Wigan Athletic win until they sacked Frotheringham, and now he's gone for a draw. I think he's been a little bit optimistic, if I'm being honest. I'm not sure if Sean Maloney will shuffle the pack or not. I don't really care. The players are going to be absolutely bouncing after the reception they get when they arrive at the ground on Saturday, and it's going to carry us through to a win. And I think this is one we're going to we're going to put something down here in this game. I think we're going to win three nil. It's going to be the start of something special. I'm going to also say we're going to keep another clean sheet. But it depends who Maloney selects. I think if you play Wilkie up top again, he's too nice to play up top, and he's not an out-and-out striker. If he goes with Charlie White and plays him up top, keen behind him with either a Sinani or a Lang next to him, I think we can do well. And I'm going to say 2-0 to Wigan. I agree that the reception that they get before the game will give them an extra spring in their step. And I think, again, they'd like on Monday night to play with a lot of energy, commitment. I'm not convinced that we've got enough up top at the moment to create many chances. So I think we'll be relying on Huddersfield to be absolutely rubbish at the back, uh, which is not beyond the rounds of possibility. Fancy us to keep a clean sheet. I'll go for a scrape a 1-0 win. Um, with Pete, if you remember last time that we did the, the meet and greet, the first game we went from being horrible and rubbish to actually looking like we found something, but we still only managed to draw. So let's not get carried away. Let's just stick with it. Again, a solid performance and a 1-0 win. If Rekic is fit at the back, then I think one change at the back, I I wouldn't mess about with that. I think it'll be Kolka coming in. And then I would take out Sinani. And if he's fit enough to start, I would put in Charlie White up front and I think it was a bit like that the other day I don't think 
Sedani and Lang really had positions as such. They weren't static. They could move around quite a bit. So I think Keane and Lang could do that against Huddersfield. I think that would cause a threat. With that in mind, I agree about the clean sheet. But with the meet and greet of the players' operation, Huddersfield, I think we're going to win it 16-0. Well, one good thing, though, every one of us has gone for a clean sheet. Uh, the last clean sheet, apart from Monday, was the 11th of October. I think we'll be quite the, the other pertinent point as well is when, when Charlie said that uh, Huddersfield only got 10 points points away we've only got eight eight points at home <laughs> the games for, for for the four clubs down at the bottom of this weekend Latics and Huddersfield Blackpool are at home to Rotherham who's just it's a, some really good form Rotherham and Cardiff are at home to Borough so that's a really tough game for them a win and we could see some movement for us just before we finish one really sad thing to report Latics legend a real legend Johnny King sadly passed away this week there's been stuff on the official website about it a lot of people's commented he was in his 70s but still sad to see the passing of a legend and, and to everybody listening please if you can just get down early on Saturday let's meet up and let's give them players something to play for let them know that we're there with them and behind them 100% we're meeting at the corner of the East and South Stand near the bridge and we're going to be there from 12.45 onwards the players will be arriving sometime between 1 o'clock and quarter past 1 uh, afterwards we can all pile into the supporters club get the atmosphere going ready for the big kickoff at 3 I'll be in there my left leg in my left leg out <laughs> And I'll do the show Maloney. We'll be back on Sunday, hopefully reflecting on our first own win since we played Blackpool all them years ago. So until then, up the ticks and come on. Up the ticks. Up the ticks. Come on. Come on.